Amen. I tell you, I've had a hard time getting in the Christmas spirit this year, but I don't know if it's the Christmas songs like Go Tell It on the Mountain or Jeremiah Was a Bullfrog, but either way, y'all have helped me this morning, you know, I'm, and for those of y'all who don't get that, you're, I'm old, but anyhow, uh, <laughs> you know, whether giving toys to children or, uh, or gifts to charities or missionaries or to our friends, Christmas is one of the times, you know, when the giver and almost all of us comes out. You know, we just we just want to give uh, because deep down I think in most of our hearts there's this this desire to be a generous person nobody wants to be a Scrooge that's that's no fun uh, I don't know if you knew this or not but the word for miser and the word for miserable come from the same root true uh, they kind of go hand in hand don't they people who hold tight to things are usually miserable folks but people who give them away are usually joyful and we admire people uh, who are joyous uh, you know, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, he, he, he told us, uh, uh, who, are, who are generous, uh, Jesus told us to be generous. Listen to what he says in Acts chapter 20. He, he said, it is better, it is more blessed to give uh, than it is uh, to receive. And, and we just admire that. And, and I think deep down all of us think, you know, if I just won the millions, Lord, I, I, you know, if I got $10 million, I promise I'd give $9 million away. You know, that's where most of us are. You know, we'll help our family. We'll help those around us. Uh, we we want to be generous people. Every night, Mrs. Hollis Sharp took her little uh, miniature poodle out for a walk, little Jonathan. She'd go for a walk through her neighborhood, and she would take her plastic bag because she was a decent neighbor, and if he did his business, she would take care of that. Well, one night, in fact, it was the night of November 13th, 1974, Mrs. Sharp was walking Jonathan. He just finished doing his business when all of a sudden a mugger came up behind her, knocked her down, grabbed the bag, jumped into a car, and drove off with the spoils of his crime. <laughs> Mrs. Sharp uh, sustained a broken arm, but although she had, she did not lose her sense of humor, and she told police, I just wish there had been more in the bag. <laughs> I, that's kind of where most of us are. We, we want to be generous. We just wish there was a little more uh, in the bag. Well, I want to tell you today, regardless if you have very little or you have a lot, I, I pray that we would all seek to be more generous with our time and, and with, our, with our resources. Um, I, I, I've been trying to share with you about holiday wisdom, and last week I talked about being a peacemaker. If you want to have a better holiday, be a peacemaker. If you want to have a better holiday, I would encourage you to be generous. Be generous with what you have. Listen to what the author of Proverbs says. The generous soul will be made rich. He who waters others will also himself be watered. It, it, it says, go back one verse if you would. Uh, go back to that verse if you would. Uh, the generous soul. Is that where generosity lives in you in the depth of your being? Or is that something that people have to just really, really pull out of you? Christ wants to make us generous people. It should be a part of who we are. Today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse uh, 6 and 7 to start out with. You've heard this probably all your life. Remember, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but whoever sows bountifully or generously or plentifully, they will reap likewise. I, I want to point out a few things about this text. One of the first things I want to point out is, is that we are to give generously. 
Listen, let me underline a couple things in the passage for you. Uh, Whoever sows generously, go ahead and go to the next verse if we could. The next one. There you go. Whoever sows generously, we are to be generous givers, all of us. We know what generous isn't. Uh, God will tell you what generous is, but we're to be generous givers. The Bible here also teaches us that we are to give willingly, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but we should give willingly. And then it even tells us that we should be cheerful givers, uh, that, that we should want to give. But what I want us to think about for a few minutes before we dive into this text is who should be the recipients of our gifts? Who should be the recipients of our giving as Christians? Well, I think, first of all, we should give to children. You know, Christmas is uh, a time where we love giving to kids. You know, I mean, it's, it's fun to give to children. You know, when your kids are little, it's so much fun, Christmas morning and all that, and then they become teenagers and it's kind of blah. But anyhow, you still do it because you're supposed to. But then you have grandbabies, and it's even better, you know, because there's just, there is fun when you're giving to kids. We love to do that. So it's a good thing. Give to children. Uh, now, some parents, I want to tell you, you go overboard. You do. Uh, be wise. You know, your one-year-old probably doesn't need $250 of stuffed toys. They probably don't need it. You know, I'm just, just telling you, be wise. They're not going to remember it, and it's going to go in the trash, and when they get old enough to remember it, they're going to pitch it. So that's be wise, Okay. Now, with that said, our generosity should go beyond this. Listen to what Jesus says. In Matthew 7, he says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, your heavenly Father will surely give good things to those who ask him. Now, the point is, we got this wonderful Father uh, in God, and he loves us, and he loves to bestow goodness on us, but I think we should draw a little bit more from this. Even evil people know how to take care of their kids. So Christians should be far more generous than evil people. We should give far beyond our kids. I think we should also give to those who serve us. You know, uh, when you go out to eat at a restaurant, you know, I, please don't leave a track if you're stingy. I mean, it's kind of in vogue, you know, to leave a track or, hey, how can I pray for you or whatnot at a restaurant. I've seen that done several times. I've done that myself often. But I promise you, they're going to judge what you give them before they, in means of a tip, before they listen to what you tell them. You know, I, I've pastored churches where I've had waiters and waitresses, and they say, you know, I really kind of hate to see Sunday come. I said, what do you mean? They said, because Christians are a lot of times not generous. I don't know if they gave too much at church or what, but they're not generous, and so they don't tip very well. Y'all do realize that people who are waiters and waitresses don't make minimum wage. Everybody realizes that they live on the tips. And here's what they told me, and I never forgot this. They said, they'll come in and sit for hours talking and having a great time. And the tip, like they drank a cup of coffee, and take a table that I only get four or five, and they take a table which feeds my family. Here's the point. They listen to you, and they know you're probably church people. They might live around you and know you're from this church. They should see your generosity, the people who serve us, wherever they are, because they're probably trying to make ends meet. So, so bless them. Uh, I think that, that we also should be generous to the needy. Uh, Proverbs 14, 21, 
tells us this, blessed are those who help the poor. Uh, later in that same chapter, in verse 31, he says, those who oppress the poor insult their maker. Uh, but helping the poor honors God. You know, so that, just good wisdom. No, now, there's no doubt we can be taken advantage of. I lived in an area, my, the church that I pastored was filled with poor people, filled with poor people. About 30% of the people lived below the poverty line, uh, the whatever imaginary poverty line that is. A lot of poor people in the community in which I served. Uh, so they beat on our door a lot, and to be honest, it kind of hardened my heart sometimes toward it because you know, I saw some people taking advantage, and I, I get that, and, and, and we have to be careful with that. We need wisdom and not give uh, you know, finances just to help a person's bad habit or enable laziness. In fact, uh, 2 Thessalonians says, uh, the one who's unwilling to work shouldn't eat. That's Bible, guys. That's not Republican or Democrat. That's Bible. The person who's not willing to work shouldn't eat. If a person's lazy and they're not willing to try, well, they'll get hungry enough one day. You know, and so, but with that said, there are people who have real needs, and there's nothing they can do about it. Real needs that God puts in our path. And, and, and the Bible says we're to give generously to them. We, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they've done. So let us remember as we are generous with others, we should look for people who are legitimately needy and help out. You know, it's the DNA of the Christian to help the needy. Our hearts should want to put stuff in the red bucket. I was thinking about this just the other night. I don't carry cash ever. You know, you rob me, you're not going to get much. You better go to the convenience store quick and use my card because I'm going to turn you in. And, uh, you know, but you're not going to get much cash because I never carry any. Almost, I have to purposely get cash to put in like the dollar club because I just don't have it. Uh, but my wife and I, we went, we were... Out on the town, our big Friday night, we went to Arby's and then to Kmart. But anyhow, we were, this was, I think it was Thursday. It was awesome, yeah. I mean, I've got the best wife in the world. You want to go for a steak? Yeah. You want to just go to Arby's? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. But anyhow, uh, we were, we were, it was Walmart, actually. We were on Richmond Road Walmart there in Lexington. It was Thursday night, not Friday. And we were going in, and somebody was ringing the bell, and my wife, said, hey, Nick, let's go back in and buy something and get cash back so that we can give. You know, I mean, she, she understands. You know why my wife understands? Because my wife used to serve every Saturday morning at the Salvation Army and help. She understands. Uh, Salvation Army was really good in Hopkinsville. When Baptists didn't provide a place for people to stay overnight, the Salvation Army did. And so we, we wanted to help fund you know, so don't pass by needy people. Wherever you see them, if the Lord lays it on your heart, help them as the Lord gives you the ability to help. Uh, we should also give to missions, guys. I, I really believe that you should be generous in your missions giving. We showed a video up here. Do you know why the guy was turned around facing that way? Because his life would be in danger if he was facing this way. He lives in a place where they would just as soon kill him as live next to him rather kill him than live next to him. And he's sharing the gospel. I don't know if you heard, a church has started in, in the Arab world where he's serving because he's been able to take the gospel in. We, when we give our offerings every week, give uh, here at Burlington, I believe it's about 115 or 12%. I haven't done the math, but it's quite a bit of money that you give every week. When you put an offering in just generally this church, about 12% of it goes to the cooperative program we help fund colleges, uh, take care of orphans and widows, through, uh, orphans through Sunrise Children's Care, 
troubled teens at Oneida. Uh, we help take care uh, of, of uh, inner city missions through our uh, different uh, ministries that we have around the state. Uh, Lots of way, uh, kids camps through crossings camps and whatnot. I could go on and on and on and on about the ways you help, but 50% of every bit of that 10%, 12% you send on goes to fund our international work. That's a big deal, but here's the deal. We have over 4,000 missionaries around the world like this man who don't have to beg for bread because we take care of them. But only about 42% of their money comes through our weekly tithes and offerings. The rest of it comes in a one-time-a-year offering called the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. We fund our missionaries. Almost 60% of their money, 58% of their money, comes when we give to the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. I hate to tell you all this reality, but we've had to make decisions. You might have seen this in the state paper. We've had to make decisions over the last few months that they're going to have to start downsizing and offering early retirement to a lot of our missionaries because the funds aren't flowing. Now, why did I tell you to give to Lottie Moon? Because not one penny of it comes to me, not one penny of it comes to this church, not one penny of it comes to support our program. It all goes beyond. It doesn't go to bureaucracy. The IMB bureaucracy is like fractional, like 2% of their monies. It goes to the missionaries. I encourage you to do it, and I encourage you to give to missions. Next week, we're going to pass the plate a second time. The first time will be for your regular offering. The second time will be for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I ask you to pray this week. God, what would you have me give to help support missions next week? Our goal is $10,000 as a church. That should be a gravy train with biscuit wheels for a church like this. I mean, that should be as easy as it possibly gets. You know? Y'all have never heard that statement. I see a few of you. A gravy train with biscuit wheels. Oh, how much did I say our offer is $10,000? Uh, yeah, I've never heard that either. I just made that up, but it's probably, no, no, not true. I just swore I'd never repeat it, and I did, and I can't believe it. But anyhow, <laughs> uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> so, y'all, y'all ever had people up here who chase rabbits? You have now. But anyhow, all right, let's move forward. I, I encourage you to give your men, uh, missionaries. Um, we should give to our church. Guys, I hope you will be generous to your, to your local church. Uh, I, I, I practice tithing in my family. We do. We've been doing that since I was 20 years old. The Lord has blessed us. Um, some people argue that that's an Old Testament practice, and that's fine. If you want to argue that way, that's fine. What did Jesus do when the little widow who only had two mites put her all in the plate? He didn't stop her. So if you want to complain about the Old Testament practice of tithing, the New Testament uh, practice is complete sacrificial giving. So either way, uh, we, we practice tithing in our family. I think it's actually continued in the New Testament. Uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 10, uh, 2, Paul is talking to the church at Corinth, and he says, On the first day of the week, each one of you uh, is to set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. What does it mean in keeping with your income? I think it's proportional giving. Yeah, just kind of as you prosper proportional giving. Uh, save it up so that uh, when I come, no collections have to be made. Um, regardless of, of the level of giving you give, and by the way, I want to say this, and I'm going to say this very publicly. I guess anything I say up here is very publicly, but this can go outside of here if it needs to, but older people have a tendency to be the backbone of the church in giving. Praise the Lord, thank you. Those of us who are younger need to understand 
it will be our responsibility to continue on the ministries of the gospel of this church, the ministry to carry the gospel through this church. Um, I know y'all have had a rough year. Nobody's, you know, if, if you're not from here and this is your first Sunday, the church has had a rough year. Uh, gone through some hard times, times they wish they'd never had to go through, uh, but you had to go through them. And because of that, the finances have suffered a little bit in the church. Through the first eight months of the year, you were $60,000 behind budget. Uh, that's kind of stopped and leveled off, and you're still only about $60,000 behind budget, but that's where you are as a church. I pray by the time the next pastor comes, we will be fiscally conservative in the church, but by the time your next pastor comes, I pray that you're meeting budget and exceeding because that's a pressure a new pastor doesn't need to face. Uh, okay, so I pray that you'll be generous uh, with, your, with your giving. Um, to the church. Uh, now, here's, here, here's the big question. The big question is why? Why should I be generous? What's the big deal? Well, I would say first and foremost, it's Christ-like. He gave his all. But why should we be generous in giving of our time and of our resources uh, in, in the way the Lord would want? Well, I, I, let's go back to our text. It's in 2 Corinthians. Um, the background of this is the Corinth church was a rich church. They were a metropolitan city. They had quite a bit of money. Uh, and and they, they were starting to develop. It was a young church, and they were starting to develop. And some bad stuff was kind of happening as you read the book of 1 Corinthians. But that's kind of been taken care of. And now they're just getting their heart on missions. And, and Paul is telling them, look, guys, I've got to take up this offering for the church in Jerusalem, and I want to help you guys. I want you guys to be a part of it. He wasn't taking it up for himself. He was taking it up for somebody else. He says, I want you to be a part. And he uses the example of the Macedonians who were really poor, dirt poor, didn't know how they were going to eat poor. And he said, those guys gave and gave and gave, and you should do the same. Um, and, and he gives good reasons why they should. The first is giving keeps our focus on spiritual things. Uh, Paul has been talking to the Macedonians about Corinth. And he's really excited. He says, I know we're giving everything we got, but God has saved these rich people, and I know they're going to want to give like poor people give. And listen to what he says. Next verse. But I'm sending the brothers in order that you are boasting about you in this matter should not prove hollow. Paul's been telling them, God's answered our prayers. It's going to work out. I know we're giving everything we got, but these rich folks have got saved. And I know they're going to want to help out too. He says, I'm, and I'm, so I'm bringing some of these Macedonians with me that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Next verse. For if any Macedonians come with me and they find you unprepared, we, not to say anything about you, would be ashamed of having been so confident that Christians just want to share and help. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to visit you in advance and finish the arrangements for the generous gift that you had promised. Then it will be ready as a generous gift, not as one grudgingly given. Guys, I want to tell you a little secret about life. The more you get, the harder it's going to be to give away. That's just a fact. It just gets tough. A um, few, few years ago, I was preaching at an association annual meeting. An association is a group of churches that come together in a local area to do local missions. You're an association, the Northern Kentucky Baptist Association. 
I was preaching at an association in western Kentucky. There's about 45, 50 churches in this. They were coming together. They were having their annual meeting, and they asked me to come preach. There was going to be about 200, 300 folks at this, and I was all excited. But I asked them, why did y'all wait so late to call me? Because it was like a week before when they called me and asked me to go preach. And they said, well, the other guy canceled. But anyhow, and I guess they thought I would just do it. So I said, all right, yeah, I'll. I'll do it, but then it dawned on me after I said I would do it that I'd been gone 16 nights in a row. I was home at night to sleep in my own bed, but I'd been preaching in revival. A couple nights I was going to a men's conference, preached another revival, and now all of a sudden I've committed another night to be gone from my wife, who at this time had about a 7-year-old and a 4-year-old. Not a good thing. And I told my wife, and my wife's a loving woman, and she, I, she said, Nick, that's fine, but I could see it in her countenance that it wasn't fine. It was tough. And I knew it was bad, but I'd already made a promise, and you know, then that's just kind of the way it is, and they were in a bind. And, and I'm driving up there, and I'm thinking to myself, Nick, you shouldn't have done this. But I decided that, you know, I tell you what, Lord, whatever they give me tonight, I'll give to my wife because I want her to know I value her. I, and I'm going to give it to her, and it's not bill money, which we needed, and it wasn't debt money. And it wasn't kids' toy money. It was, this is for you, honey, money. Well, I get there, and I preach, and I just won't tell you I was good. <laughs> I was real good. It doesn't happen but once in a blue moon. Y'all kind of figured this out about every third week. It's better than others. But uh, this was one of those where the Lord was gracious. I didn't need my notes. Just everything was flowing. Every rabbit hole I went into produced. You know, it was good. The Lord just blessed. And I want to tell you, when it, it came time to the end of service, if you, how many of y'all have ever been to an association annual meeting? Raise your hand. Any of y'all? Okay, y'all will understand. The rest of you might not get it, but watch these guys. We had an invitation and 70 people came to the altar to pray. It was one of those special nights, and it was just an awesome thing, and it was just incredible. It was so good that I didn't think anything about the lady who gave me a gift and said, here, take this home with you. And so I put it in my coat pocket because it was kind of a coat and tie type of thing, and I put it in my coat pocket, forgot about it. Honestly, I thought maybe they might give me gas mileage. Might give me $50 or something like that. That's kind of what I was expecting. But when I'm at McDonald's about 20 miles away and I'm ordering, I reach over to get my food, and when I reached over to get my food, I felt that card in my pocket. And so I pulled it out and I opened it up, and it was $400. And all I could think is, that's a lot of money to give to your wife. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And the question I always get is, what did I do with it? And I did give it to her, but uh, grudgingly maybe. But <laughs> the point is, when I thought it was $25, $50, hey, yeah, no big deal. But the more you get, the harder it gets to give away. I think one of the reasons God commands us to give is because it keeps our focus off materialism and keeps our focus on spiritual things. First John it says, don't love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves this world, the love of the Father is not in them. Ooh, man, that hurts. And then it says in verse 17, the world and its desires will pass away, but whoever, do, whoever does, desires, 
obeys the will of the Father, the will of God lives forever. I know some of y'all have heard this probably a hundred times. Do you remember, have you ever been told the story of how Africans used to catch monkeys in unique ways? They would take a stake, drive it in the ground, tie a piece of rope to it, into a clay jar with a small opening, and they would take this opening and inside of it they would insert a banana. And then they would go and hide in the bushes. And then the monkey would come up and he would reach his hand in the jar and he would grab a hold of that banana. But the opening in the jar was not large enough for him to pull his hand out. And then the African would come and simply hit the monkey over the head with the stick because he was so in love with the thought of getting that banana that he couldn't let go to free himself. That's us. We're so in love with the things of this world that we grab a hold of them and Satan uses it to kill our spiritual life. Let's say you could go back, I don't know, to 1863, and your great-great-great-grandfather was from Georgia, and he was a millionaire. And he had $3 million of Confederate money. What would you tell him? My gold! <laughs> Maybe you might want some of that union money, <laughs> because you know that what he thinks he can't let go of is worthless. Guys, we're all holding on to Confederate money. The things in this world are going to pass away. And Jesus said, exchange these things for which are eternal. Don't store up, he says in Matthew chapter 6, treasures here on earth where moss, and my translation that I memorized growing up, moth and rust, or moth, where moth and vermin can destroy, where thieves can break. Don't store it up here. Store it up in heaven where it can't be taken away. Giving, why should you do it? Well, it keeps your focus on spiritual things, but it's also a wise investment. Uh, a man and a woman had a cat, but this cat irritated the man constantly. The wife loved it, the man hated it. I mean, the cat was always climbing on him and shedding, and he'd get up in the middle of the night and stumble over it in the dark, and then he'd screech every now and then in the night, and it'd wake him up while his wife continued to snore. He hated the cat. Hated the cat. So when his wife was gone one weekend with the girls, he drowned it. Shock factor. I heard an amen. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> and when she came back, she said, where's the cat? And he says, I guess it disappeared. He didn't tell the truth. He said it disappeared. And she was so distraught and she was so despondent over losing the cat. He said, honey, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll do what I can. And so he offered a $1,000 reward in the paper with the picture for anybody who would bring that cat back. Well, his friend saw this and said, what in the world are you doing? How, I thought you hated that cat. And he said, you know, when you know what I know, you can afford to take the risk. <laughs> Guys, when you know what I know, you can afford to give away. You just can. Because I know you can't outgive God. You just cannot do it. Second Corinthians chapter 9 says this, Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. You sow generously, you'll reap generously. Listen to what the next verse says. And, or verse 8 says, And God is able to bless abundantly 
so that in all things at all times you have what you need and you'll abound for every good work. Now, I'll be honest, I shy away from preaching like this because it sounds selfish and it sounds like prosperity gospel. You give $10, God will give you 100 He might, but he might just give you the contentment you've been looking for. Or he might uh, give you emotional stability. Or, or you might grow spiritually. Or your family might be united when you quit trying to chase after stuff. Or, or you may have financial prosperity. But he promises if you'll give, he'll give you more in return of something. He promises. So, so we, it's a wise investment. Uh, it also gives us an opportunity to express compassion uh, when we give. Uh, if you'll skip down to verse 12, listen to what he says. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgiving to God. Now we read that, that man, when we give, God gets praised, but don't believe out that it's not only supplying. That means it is supplying the needs of the saints. When we give, we help meet needs. Um, it's been well said, you can't give without loving, or you can give without loving. And you can. We know you can give without loving something. But you can't love without giving. Uh, now, the primary reason, guys, we should give is that it's just an act of worship. Uh, you know, when we think of worship, oh, I sang a song, or I heard a sermon, or I took communion, and all those are part of, a part of worship. But another tangible way that we worship God is when we... When we give, we show our gratitude. When we get, listen to that verse again. Uh, uh, we should ascribe to the Lord, do His name, bring an offering, and come into His court. So that's Psalm ninety-six. But go back to there. You go. Second uh, Corinthians nine verse twelve. It says, "When we give, it overflows with many thanksgiving." The recipient, I would also say, the giver. Thank you, God, that you've given me so that I can give. I've challenged y'all hard, and I'm about to wrap up today, but I've, I've challenged y'all hard next week about Lottie Moon. I, I do that because this is my heartbeat. Uh, I went to Africa a few years ago, and I sat in a vehicle, and I said, how'd you get this vehicle to get to this remote, remote place? Because I was thinking, this is, they don't make these in Niger. How'd you get? He, he said, Lottie Moon Christmas money provided this. Um, Next week, I'm challenging you to give. Our goal is 10,000 people. Uh, 10,000 people. That'd be good. <laughs> then you only have to bring $1 each. But that, would, that wouldn't be very generous. I, I, I'm asking you to pray because our goal next week is $10,000. I want you to pray about what you can give. In addition, don't, don't say, okay, well, I'll just hold back about $50 from the normal. In, in addition, because it's a sacrifice. I don't want to give a sacrifice to the Lord that costs me nothing. You know, in addition, what could you give? I, I, I'm committing because I've challenged y'all. Uh, Miss Anna ran with my. Uh, uh, I, she said we're going to set the goal at this, and I said, "Oh, y'all do much better than that." And so she wrote down what I said. So if I'm going to challenge y'all to step way up and give far more than y'all have ever given before, we're going to bring our Lottie Moon here as well. Um, I don't tell you what I give, and I'm not trying to, I don't make a habit of trying to let everybody know here's what I gave and whatnot. But we were talking about this, and my wife and I were saying, you know, we really ought to sacrifice even more than we normally do. And so uh, 
we started praying about a dollar and thinking about a dollar. And we came up with a dollar, but we didn't budget a dollar. And my kids are going off to college in a few months. And we're st still kind of, you know, housing in Lexington costs a lot more than housing in western Kentucky. And we're still trying to get kind of right side up on our house. And we were doing good and we're catching up. And I thought, you know, in Christmas time, and I said, yeah, but we really believed we were supposed to give this amount of money. Well, I had a wedding to do this weekend in Hopkinsville. If I look groggy, I am. Uh, I came home last night late, late, got up early, early this morning. Uh, and, uh, but w we did this wedding, and I, I, I'll be honest, I thought they'd probably give me a hundred or a couple hundred dollars for coming down there and doing the wedding, because that's kind of what I normally get for a wedding. And they put me up in a hotel, and they fed me, and yada, you know, all that stuff. When we opened the gift on the way home, it was the exact amount to the penny of what my wife and I said we were going to give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Guys, I just want to tell you, it's real easy to say, oh God, I thank you that you're such a big God. I, I thank you uh, that, that you are able to do this. What I give is worship. It's easy. I give in worship for the same reason I love. I love y'all. I, th I hope y'all know that. I love y'all. I pray for y'all. I'm on my knees for y'all about your next pastor. I pray that God will send you the right man, and you know it. All of you know it. You know why I love y'all, though? Because he loved me first. That's why I love you. I mean, I, I love my kids whether he loved me or not, probably, but I love y'all because he loved me. And that makes me just want to love y'all because I think y'all love him. Uh, and so, um, why do I want to give? Because he gave to me first. Because he gave to me first. Listen to the next verse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that through his poverty of coming to earth and leaving heaven and dying on the cross, you might become rich and have eternal life and peace and abundant life now. He, he's so excited about this gift that... Uh, he says, I've got to give back. Now, what do we give back? Well, I'm asked, I talked to you today about giving your resources, but please don't mishear me. Your resources are just an overflow. It's kind of extra. It's kind of like the icing on the cake. What God really wants from you is he wants your heart. God wants your heart. Go ahead and skip a couple slides. There you go. Thank you, brother. God wants you to give your heart to him. He bragged on the Macedonians because they're dirt poor and they're helping you. Don't you see how they're helping you? Look what they're doing. But then when he's telling the story about the Macedonians, listen to what he says. He says, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. Guys, that's what we want to see happen in you. For you to give yourself first to the Lord. If you've never given your life to Christ, you're poor even though you might have a lot of confederate money. One day it will amount to nothing. You're going to die and you're going to leave it all behind. But if you give your life to Jesus, you can become rich. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to share your word today. I pray that it would be a blessing to your church here and would be a challenge to your people. God, help us to give generously. For those who you've given abundantly to, Father God, I pray that they would give out of their prosperity. 
And for those who are scraping by, Lord, I pray that as you led the Macedonians, that they would also ask, Lord, how could we give? And God, I pray that when people give, that you will meet their needs and that you will bless them abundantly. Lord, I pray most of all that people here would know the love of your son, Jesus. He is the motivation of why we give. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.